dream I'm dreaming, but there's a voice inside my head saying you'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaken, but I, I gotta keep trying, gotta keep. Channel 2 Radio, The Mindset Matters Show with Sinat Noorani. is everybody today yes it's that time of the week again for the mindset matters talk show i'm your host for the next hour and a half a show that's all about supporting and making a difference in bringing about awareness and breaking down stigmas around mental health and well-being and how different aspects of our lives can impact our well-being But more importantly, I want to send the message out that you are not alone and that we all go through challenging times in our lives and it's absolutely okay to ask for help. So let's be resilient, but not to the extent that it damages our mental well-being. So it's all about the right resilience. Right, I would like to thank my sponsor, Darren Wheel of Intune PR, marketing consultant and journalist, uh, who has supported this show right from the beginning uh, when I first launched in January. He is working in PR and marketing, as I said, and... um, what his company does, does in Tune PR is all about uh, getting your business read, seen and heard in the media. They ensure that, that, you know, that you are presented in your best self to the media and giving you the confidence to appear on the media too. So thank you for your sponsorship. So if you're listening in for the first time, I'm here. As I said, every Friday, same time, same place, 10.30 to 12, where each week I have amazing guests who come on the show either live in the studio or pre-recorded, who share their expertise, uh, insights with tools, tips, and we have just a lovely discussion about what's going on in the world, within the UK as well, just globally, and also which I love is we have stories, personal stories, where people share what's been going on in their lives because I think that's where the true difference is made and people can really resonate with personal stories. So I love having those on my show. But before I carry on, I just want to introduce my two lovely guests who I have here in the studio uh, with me from Bromley Little Theatre and it's a lovely sort of secret hidden gem that lots of people don't know about but we're here to make sure that everybody knows about the Bromley Little Theatre whether you live in the London Borough of Bromley or not. Welcome Keith and welcome Alice. Hi Zenat, it's great to be here. It's lovely to have you both here. It's going to be exciting because we're going to be talking about mental health and well-being in the creative industry, aren't we? Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Keith, would you like to just give us a quick introduction about who you are? 
Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm the chair of the Bromley Little Theatre Charitable um, Trustees. Um, a a role I found myself thrust into when somebody else backed down. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have any particular skills that bring that, other than having been a member of the theatre for a, quite a long time. And having time. a passion for it, obviously. <laughs> and, and been very interested mm. and, and played a number of different roles in the theatre from backstage help with props to doing sound um, and occasionally acting. Though mm -hmm. I've rather given that up <laughs> to, uh, to focus on the the management of the of the theatre, but also on the potential development of the theatre mm. building, so that we can increase our role in the community. Yeah, and it, the building has some sort of history of eighty years plus, doesn't it? Well, the the theatre has a, a history of eighty years plus. The mm. um, the building goes back to the, the late nineteenth century, eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties, when it was built by the Cooperative Bakery. Um, oh, wow. It was the, it was actually one of the first. Uh, actual sort of semi-industrialised bakeries before that, of course. Mm. Bread was baked by the baker Ooh, in his lovely. shop. Yeah. And this was a place which actually baked in all mass and distributed it. Uh, unfortunately, it got taken mm. by, over by much larger organisations very quickly <laughs> and um, by the time it became a theatre in the 1930s, it had fallen into dereliction. Mm. Um and it was the vision of a of a young chap back in that those days to create his own theatre. So he converted this derelict building into the theatre which we know and love today. But unfortunately, we haven't done very much to it since. Since, but there are visions in the future, and you're the chair of uh, this. And obviously, all your experience, though you may feel that you haven't didn't have it at the time, is doing amazing stuff for it. Well, yes. I mean, I think <coughs> very conscious of what needed doing to yeah. the building, and my background is in mm. the construction industry. Um, so I started fiddling around with ideas, if you like, of how we might <laughs> change it. And um, we progressed to the point where in last year we got planning consent for a major refurbishment of the building. Fantastic. Um, and now all we need is the money to do it, and we've we're putting applications together at the moment to major funding agencies, mm -hmm. um, but also obviously looking for support from the local community. Great. So uh, that's the Arts Council, isn't it? The Arts Council mm -hmm. application is um, <clears throat> or an expression of interest going yep. in any day now. Uh, the Heritage Lottery Fund as well we're hoping to get money from. Mm. But also, as I say, the important thing to us is the fact that we're there for the community and therefore... We, yes. we would like support from support, the community for what we do. And we've got a lot of people who do value mm. what we do in the community, so we're hoping yes, that some of them there. will put their money where their mouth is. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk more about that, you know, uh, round you know, having something like this for the community, what it does for people's morale and the well-being and entertainment, just giving people hope in lots of different ways, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But Alice, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Alice Foster. I'm primarily an actress at BLT, but I also 
have helped out everywhere. That's um, Bromley Little Theatre, by the yes, way. Yes, of course. It's commonly known as BLT, and the people go, bacon, lettuce, tomato? There you go. And you're like, eh, no. Um, yes, yeah, so I've helped out on the bar, I've helped out on the sound, I've helped out backstage on the lighting, primarily an actress, but I also run the publicity um, so, and the social media element of it. And when I'm not on stage, uh, I actually have a proper job where I'm an events operation manager for corporate events. I think being an actress is a proper job. I mean, I'm not paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're not paid for it, but, you know, a job doesn't necessarily have to be No, 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 absolutely. I mean, mean, the thing about acting is it's it's absolutely my passion. Mm. It's the thing I would drop my real job in a heartbeat for. Um, But I think killing it a job would also sap a little bit of the joy out of it. I I like the fact that I can choose Mm -hmm. when I want to be involved. which it gives amazing. me the freedom to spend some time just not having a focus and just allowing myself to sort of be and exist. Nice. Yeah. And I think that's important. Having um, those expertise or you're helping in so many different elements behind stage, yeah. on, you're on stage. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, um, I sort of fell into it all. That I mean, there's definitely an expectation if if you are performing on stage, you will pull your weight elsewhere. Um, you don't just get to go on and just perform. It doesn't mm. happen. You have to be showing that you're part of the community and, and yeah. you want the building to thrive and, and succeed. And that involves doing teas and coffees, helping at the bar, mm. being backstage. So I sort of just all fell into each one in turn. And then I just really enjoy them. You know, yeah. there's, there's something very freeing about not being on stage but still being involved and knowing that you are part of the big machine. Mm. Just a tiny cog, but you're a very important cog nonetheless. Yes, yeah. And, I, you know, that doing all those little things, well, they're not little things because that's what makes the, the whole production of everything in the end, I think it's fundamental because it brings about a better understanding mm. of what's going on and how difficult and challenging it can be as well. Yeah, and, I mean, I've definitely taken away skills from working with teams, working with people I don't know, uh, running leadership for myself and things like that, that I've then been able to take into my actual professional role Mm. and I've then been able to sort of uh, improve on my leadership skills as a result of my work with the theatre. Excellent. Mm. I I think some very interesting points come out of that. Perhaps what we haven't said is that Bromley Little Theatre is entirely amateur um, all the actors and everybody else are volunteers. Mm. Nobody gets paid except the cleaner. Um, <laughs> and um, anybody can contribute to these teams. We do expect actors to do other things, mm. but we also, there are people who come in and do only one thing. They might make tea and coffee for the audiences once a month. Yeah. They might... Um, come in and do a bit of maintenance they might do some painting of the set there's a contribution that anyone can make and anyone who does make any contribution Mm. is respected for the role they play in the team and I think that's very it it gives people something worth yeah a sense of purpose as well Um, so you can be drawn in because you're passionate about acting Mm. but you can also be drawn in because you want to get to know some people and there are a lot of clubs you can join or organizations um where you can join and then you're still on your own yeah you might you know 
join a, a sports club or a, you know a running club and all you you, you actually just mm. run mm. and you can you could join in with other people but it's not forced upon you in a way yes in the theater it's like a social you, it's you don't need to be good at the social side mm. because you're thrown in by doing stuff together so, yeah, and it's that's, very that's collaborative. really valuable yeah um there is no i in team and there's no theater without the teams that you know make it make up. it up yeah absolutely and i think it's uh, you know talking about everyone uh, contributing what they can contribute uh volunteering i mean volunteering does give you a sense of achievement sense of purpose and it's great for people who maybe alone don't have a very social li- uh, active life but want to meet people and be around people not necessarily have a chat and talk but just be within those proximities yeah i mean we have a lot of people that just simply are audience members and and all they do is come to the shows but they come so so often so frequently that you can stand there and be like oh we saw you last month and and you don't know them but they become part of the fabric of of the society that is blt and that's really important certainly when you've got people that have been widowed you Mm. know any parents or, or or children that are dealing with family strife and things like that mm-hmm. there is a safe space and, and BLT is certainly we, we try and foster that safe welcoming inclusive attitude there that's amazing absolutely amazing right so we're going to be talking more about that and I also want to get on to talking about you know how you also help young people because they come in they sometimes use the theatre and we're going to talk about that yeah and um, yeah just young people giving young people a space to become who they want to become and just learn new skills, whether you have a disability or not, because there's a massive thing I know around acting for people with disabilities and there's, uh, they're trying to look at more funding as well for that as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely talk about that a bit further on. So uh, throughout the show, please do continue to comment, uh, tweet in uh, to Zenat underscore Narani. Uh, use the hashtag MSM Radio Talks. Uh, any shout outs, just keep them coming in. Also, you can tweet on. Uh, we are Bromley Theatre on Twitter. If you want to come and directly talk to us, uh, we also have a website where you can check out all of our upcoming shows that will be at the end of the year and into 2022. Fantastic. Sorry, I just threw that at you, didn't you I? You did, and I was like, oh, my God, I've, I've got to remember the, the handle. <laughs> I'm just glad you're here, Alice, because I wouldn't have known. <laughs> but, Keith, you have a Twitter. Keith Jeremiah, is it? I, I, I do, but it's... Um... One of these things one acquires and doesn't know what to do with, in my case. <laughs> well, once people start tweeting in, you'll have to start tweeting back. There you go. And respond. Your audience I, I are awaiting. I will try to come up to the mark. <laughs> <laughs> you will, definitely. OK, so what do I do, apart from being here on a Friday? Um, I'm a mental health and well-being coach um i also support um around goal setting clarity visions but fundamentally i'm all about mindset in order to have the right mindset i um, sort of dive really deep into people's uh self-worth their values their belief system and make sure they understand who they are so giving them their self-awareness and then therefore once you have that you slowly establish a better self-awareness of the people around you. And fundamentally, you know, I want to be, well, able to empower you to have the tools and strategies so that you can live the life that you want to live. And that's what I do when I'm not here. Um, And I wanted to actually mention a bit... um, 
the uh, People Skills course that I run with Chandra Sharma as well. That's also about um, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it's about language and communication when it comes to uh, business and teams. But you can use it in your personal life too. So um, I do that with him. Right. Uh, highlights of the month and some news. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So just, um, you know, it's all about wearing pink and supporting the cause. Um, and that's happening till the 31st of October. Right. One of my highlights is last Saturday, myself, uh, Sarah Marsh Collins of Digital Media Marketing Babel Monkey, Darren Wheel of Intune PR and Jason Murrell. see. Morel, Jason, I said it right. I didn't say Morel. Uh, I hope you're listening in. Of Jade Window Cleaning. <laughs> Sorry, I, there's a joke about that, by the way. Uh, cleaning and Services. We intended the um, London Borough of Bromley Mayor's Charity Ball. It was absolutely amazing. So, uh, Councillor Russell Meller, he was there with his wonderful wife, uh, Geraldine, uh, Maris Geraldine. And this event was in aid of the Shipwrecked Mariners uh, Society and the Beckenham, I can never pronounce this, Parachill, is that right? Parachill, P-A-R-O-C-H-I-A-L? Oh, parochial. Parochial, there you go. Thank you. Parochial charity. <laughs> held, and it was held at the Warren, which is the Metropolitan Police Training Grounds. It was an absolute fabulous night. We had a, a band there called Force 10, who provided us with some lovely music that we, you know, definitely got our glad rags on and dance. It's just what we needed after, you know, the last couple of months, not months, what am I saying? A couple of years we've had. So it oh, it's feels, almost two it years. Feels it feels so long. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the night ended with Councillor Tony Owens, the deputy uh, mayor of Petswood, and no, DJing the night away. Wow. Which was lovely. Is, hope, is there video footage of that? Or? I've got pictures with him. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> I'm sure there must be. Somebody must have it. But, you know, he owns every UK uh, number one single from 1952 to the present day. That's a hell of a collection. It is. <laughs> it's amazing. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, what a night. Uh, speaking of... Uh, Breast Cancer Awareness uh, Month. Uh, yesterday, I had the opportunity to speak at Every Breath uh, Lung Cancer Support. Uh, they've recently, over the last year, launched. Um, this was set up by Nikki Barkley and his wife, Emma. And Emma went through um, cancer herself. So this was in aid of that. And, it, and through the uh, ladies at the Prue Hospital, uh, Nikki and Lauren, they run this and they've got lots of patients. And it was just... It was my first time in a meeting like this um, and I got to speak there. But before I actually spoke, I was listening to some of the stories and I got really emotional. It, it's just... But also at the same time, I was inspired by these people. Absolutely inspired by them. So by the time I had to go up and talk, I got a little bit emotional and teary. Oh. But, you know, what? I quickly... Snap back, <laughs> and I had to do my talk. More professional, but it was it was really great, you know. And this um, is held sort of monthly at the moment at the Farnborough Village in Bromley, Farnborough, Kent. So, for anyone who's within that vicinity, and they're looking for people again to support the Every Breath uh, uh, support group, and um, you know, if anybody needs the support, to come along. And Jason of J Window Cleaning, he um, is part of this as well. He supports them. Um, with a deep passion as well. So, yes. Uh, what else have I got? What have I got? 
recent article on the 14th of October, the Scottish government um, is looking at a strategy for supporting self-harm. So following a, a 2020 research report, Hidden Too Long, Uncovering Self-Harm in Scotland. So it's great to know that, you know, mental health is really spreading. They've been very specific about um, what's going on in which areas they need to be increasing this support. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I know when I was in the um, creative industry as a professional figure skater, there was quite a lot of um, people that I knew that used to self-harm. Uh, yeah, I can I can count five on just one, like, from the theatre still mm. that we know um yeah it's it's a it's an epidemic I, there's there's no other word for it and it's something that truly does need support funding yeah for uh, both uh, absolutely i mean yeah. I, I actually have a grandson who um has been through phases of self-harming yeah. and um, mm. it's very distressing we're all concerned because um, sometimes it's not seen as well no and it's i think hidden so I think the support is also needed, obviously, for the person self-harming, but it's for the mm. families and the friends that are around them. It, you're right, it can be very distressing watching that and feeling essentially like you're trapped behind a wall and you can't reach them. And I don't think anyone's really prepared for that mm. because you, you end up somehow becoming that person's number one enemy in a mm. way because you're trying to help them. And, that, and that's something that no one can be prepared for. Um, no. So anything we can do to increase support it's got mm. to be a great thing. I think again, I mean that the effect on other people, the the, the sense of impotence that you get when you have a, in my daughter's case, a child mm. that um, have it going through that, and actually just not knowing what you can do to help, um, and uh, I really do feel that all the whole the whole families do need support yeah. in those situations you know i'm glad you um, brought that up because it's not just support for that we need more support for people going through that but also the families around that mm. because a lot of the times you know well either we'll be in denial or we just don't know how to address it what to say and family members do need support in that too mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a sense of grief. I think you feel like you've lost the person, and they've not died because they're still there. But there is a loss, and it's a loss that you can't necessarily get through to and comprehend. And it, you know, there's there's a lot of people that have recovered from self harm, but their families and their friends are still living with the constant fear of a relapse. Mm. Um, it's it's that pressure and that tension that just sort of bears down on you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, uh, the Minister of Mental Health, Nadine Doris, um, quoting, I'm absolutely committed to supporting everyone's mental health and these proposals are a crucial step forward in ensuring vital treatment can be easy, uh, accessed uh, quickly. Uh, this work um, complements our Mental Health Recovery Action Plan supported by £500 million, which ensures we offer the right support over the coming year to people to help people with a variety of mental health conditions, so not just that. We've also provided £2.3 billion a year, the largest increase in mental health funding in the NHS history to expand and transform services in England, which will help 2 million more people to access mental health services by 2023-24. Uh, and there's a whole... I mean, I won't go, go into it, but there's a whole load of um, proposals they're putting forward, proposed standards. But, yeah... 
Amazing. Great. So that was a bit of a down. We're going to take it up a little bit of a notch, aren't we? Um, okay, we're going to go into a quick music break. Uh, so it, this is your time to stretch, stand up if you're at a desk, have some water if you're terrible at drinking water, um, and just get that blood circulating and stretching again. And do keep those tweets coming in. It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic. A kind of magic. One soul, one prize, one gold, one golden glance of what should be. Magic, magic, magic. 
amazing tune. I do love that tune. It's a kind of magic. Such a bop. I love it. I should let you sing that. <laughs> You're the expert <laughs> actress, actor, act, actress. And yet cannot sing for my own life. <laughs> I did. Um, I remember I was singing one time, actually, uh, when I was teaching. And these were like, you know, year two. Uh, they're like six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And they turned around and they went, Miss Narani. And I went, yes. And they went, can you stop singing? Oh. And I went, oh, okay, so you want to uh, sing by yourself? You don't want me to go along with you? And they went, no, no, you're hurting our ears. <gasps> Do you know what? There's nothing more savage <laughs> than a five-year-old. Yeah. It's so brutal. Like, if you've got big ego, go and spend a day oh, with I love a bunch the of seven-year-olds. And you're just like, you're just I am dirt. <laughs> you're just not my confidence. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not good. It's taken me this long to learn how to sing. <laughs> but, yeah, no, you can only love them more for that. But, hey, you know. I can crack glass, at least. I mean, it's a skill. It is. You know? It takes we talent. Ever, if we ever need glass cracking, we know who to call. Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so we were talking about um, the Tony, um, Councillor Tony Owen, Deputy Mayor of Bromley, um, you know, and Alice wanted to see a picture. Well, Bromley Buzz has just posted a gorgeous, wonderful, stunning picture of uh, uh, Deputy uh, Tony Owen. So there we go on the Twitter. So do go on to the Bromley Buzz or um, either onto my Twitter and you will see it. It is quite something. He's stunning spinning. suit. Obsessed. Yeah. It's very 70s. It's like, lovely. I would wear that. He's really spinning the decks. I'm loving it. But they're CD decks, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. It's very old-fashioned, old school, but I love it. I'm obsessed. It's like nostalgia, but better. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. And then I also got a message in. Uh, Sarah Marsh Collins is normally walking her dogs in the forest and listening to the show. But today she's at Comic-Con having a lovely time. She just said, um, I'm here. Have a great show. So there we are. And uh, Jason, I have uh, post um, sent you those pictures, by the way, if you're listening in. Uh, from the Every Breath uh, event yesterday. So, right, say no more. We're going to be talking about, um, yeah, what, you know, what has it been like this past two years in terms of, you know, the mental health around for yourself, for the people around you? Tough. <laughs> in one word, tough. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think there's anyone that didn't, you know, even the people that thrived during lockdown everyone had moments where it just felt a bit mm. too much. And I don't know if that was, you know, the sense of uncertainty with policy or just being trapped inside your own house and only allowed out for an mm. hour of exercise. You know, it was it was a very difficult time to live through. Um, and I don't think there was, an any, there was anyone that didn't feel that in some way, shape or form. Mm. What would you say were the biggest struggles for people? I mean, even yourself, I mean, you know, or did you not struggle? Did you have things that you put in place that supported you? A lot of my stuff um, was because of a job and financial insecurity. Um, Working in the events industry was very hard. Uh, Mm. Everyone was suddenly on their knees. No one wanted to come and shake hands and go to a business meeting. And we were all trapped behind Zoom screens. And there was no demand. And that meant a lot of the employees were either made redundant or they were furloughed. And furlough was a very, very tough period of time because it was the state of, am I going to go back? Is this going to be the last month where I'm going to be Mm. waiting or is this going to be the end and suddenly the money is going to run out and 
you know, I will be given the boot. So it, it became very, very stressful because I was trying to pay rent at the same time. Mm. And it was just a constant sense of what is next. And I had a, I was living with my housemate at the time and she'd just gotten a brand new job. And it was very funny, actually. We were speaking about this a couple of days ago and she was saying, you know, you were on furlough and I was working and I felt so guilty because all I wow. wanted to do was get into bed, but I didn't feel I could because you weren't. And that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. she, re- she really struggled because she felt a lot of guilt for being in a much sort of secure position. So technically she was better than me, but she was struggling in a completely different way. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've never actually thought of it in that way as well. And that's really interesting because especially if uh, you get on really well with your colleagues and you're close and you have a great relationship to then find out that you're still working and they're not and what's going to happen to them. And guilt can be really um, powerful Mm. in a negative way. Yeah, there was a couple of rounds of redundancy and it was funny because we were all like talking in this sort of coded language and Mm. we were like trying to figure out, was it you? Was Was it me? Like, and and sort of everyone, no one wanted to answer that question. So it was all very jaded, sort of, quite cautious language for about a month of just everyone like so are you going to the meeting next week and it was like yes are you and so someone's you're treading on water being really careful yeah no one felt secure even the ones that were very secure our project Mm -hmm. managers were struggling just as much as we were and you know it was very different concept taking a slight pay cut for me as someone that was on 70k a year and had a home and a mortgage and kids and you know no one found it easy everyone struggled Mm. and I suppose when you've got your professional job and then you've got your job that you love doing as your passion which you would love to do but you didn't even have that outlet to go go on stage and perform to people so I mean no I mean we we did pivot Mm. we did do some um online sort of zoom we sort of did a short Dickens uh, film. Okay. So everyone sort of chose a bit of a Dickens to do and they worked in, in pairs or on their own. We had a sort of monologue competition. Uh, we did a radio play. We did script uh, readings and things like that. But it, it just wasn't the same. And as great as it was to have that, and it was, it was such a lifeline for a lot of people, mm. especially when they were on their own, to be able to log on I spent three hours just talking with old <laughs> friends. Yeah, It is not the same as being in that space um, because the theatre does really become a home from home and it becomes a place where a lot of people feel they can be themselves. You just don't have that over Zoom. You don't have that sense of connection. Yeah, But I think the other thing, we talked about the various roles in the theatre and uh, the actors actually did have that outlet, if you mm. like, but the other people who mm. we've talked about again who come along and do other stuff and get the benefit of being part of that community without having to get up on stage and embarrass yep. themselves, <laughs> um, they were they were completely you know, left out. And, of course, a lot of those people are of more my generation who are retired and don't have the outlets. And I think that it was very difficult for mm. people in a number of... Um, organizations i mean i i also am, i'm a member of the university of the third age in bromley right. and a lot of those groups 
pivoted to Zoom meetings, which had okay. some advantages, actually. We um, got people engaging possibly more than they did in live meetings mm. because the sort of that embarrassment about speaking was in fact not there. But then there was a whole tranche of people who either couldn't or wouldn't adopt that technology. Yeah. Um, and they got left out completely. Mm. Um, and that was a real concern for us in U3A, actually, as to whether we should have meetings which excluded other people. And then that's been turned on its head now. Mm. that we're now starting to come back to live meetings and there are people who don't want to come to come live meetings. Know, so yeah. are we excluding people by going back to live meetings? So it's all really, you know, there are a lot of concerns and so on. But as to the, um, the, bus the whole business that you were referring to, Alice, about you know, people feeling guilty... That's, I very much identify with that because I've mm. been completely insulated from any of the repercussions. Uh, my wife goes and gets the shopping. Um, <laughs> thank you Lucky very man. Much. Thank you very much, Christina. Um, but also, um, you know, I'm comfortably off financially. Um, I'm in that group of people who probably benefit financially over, the, over COVID because I haven't had the outgoings. My income hasn't changed. And it you do feel, you know, a sense of guilt. Yeah. Um, more so than I've, I've always felt a certain sense of guilt for the luck that I've had in my life. Mm. And that's been, you know, aggravated, accentuated by the fact that I can see all this suffering that is going on. Mm. But I, I'm not in a position to... <clears throat> you know, to share it or do very much about it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I think if we're, you know, if we're talking about mental issues, there are those people who are not suffering have, have can have guilt about it. It'd be mm. nice if some of the other people who share my good fortune maybe felt a little bit more guilty about having much stuff when other people don't, but that's... That's something... That I'm at risk of getting political... Oh, I love yeah. it when you get political. <laughs> <laughs> we can have uh, another show with a bit of a political debate going on. But no, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. And I, you know, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, it's interesting that you keep mentioning that word guilt. And I've been hearing a lot of that word, just that word over the last couple of weeks. Mm. And I think something's coming up for my next blog, I think, around guilt, yeah. uh, supporting people with different elements of guilt. Because it's massive it's absolutely massive and you know how do you address that yeah um also what's really interesting that you know you're talking about um you know you've you pivoted and therefore you were on zoom doing performances little skits and things like that but when i was at the priory live music festival and i was uh, interviewing the musicians they had you know they said similar things you know then they pivoted pivoted online and they were doing uh, more sort of YouTube videos, all those kind of things. But then what about the rest of the crew, the yeah. lighting, the stage managers? So many of them as well suffered. And also, again, um, maybe the volunteers that were there supporting yeah. them. And we obviously had a massive crisis with funding as well. You know, the yes. arts basically got abandoned by the government um, and... For one night, we turned the theatre red as part of the Saving Arts. Uh, there was sort of a social media 
Okay. And wow. every theatre and live music venue turned red for one night to remind the government. And we were part of that because, you know, there, there were people there that were struggling and we were abandoned. Yeah. Really needed to shout out. But again, I think we must differentiate between us as a voluntary organisation. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's paid. Nobody lost their job at mm. Bromley Little Theatre because nobody is employed. Employed, yeah. And that again, uh, coming back to guilt, I don't think we felt guilty about that. But, but it we brings feel very privileged mm. that we don't have to worry about those things ourselves. Um, and very conscious that we had to not try and attract some of the funding which was available yes. for support of the arts because mm. we didn't need it as much as the as the professional industry mm. does um and so we've we've actually you know we have avoided applying for some funds mm. on that basis on the other hand we've we've actually been receiving funds from the local Amazing. council, from the government schemes and so on. And actually, our, it puts us in a strong position to carry on doing our work. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't feel guilty about that. No, that's amazing generosity and thought of others. But of course, there are implications when it comes to, if that's your outlet, your one thing that you have that keeps you going, that you're inspired and it's your, your mental well-being... You don't have that. We are, That's the downside of it. We are very lucky, though, mm. um, because there are a lot of local community groups, amateur groups, that are on their knees and they've just not come out of the pandemic. They've either folded mm. or they've simply not been able to recoup. Um, there was a local group that I went to yesterday and they were putting on their first performance in about two years yesterday. Amazing. And their audience numbers are like 20 or 30 people in the audience. We had Living Together, which was our show that took place last week, 70, 80 people in the audience on some nights. It's not a full house, and we know it's not a full house, it's but we are thriving mm. in a way that we can only be grateful for. Yeah. Yes, I think we'd be, we, again, the the strength of the and in depth of our volunteers is, is a, a, a major factor in that, plus... Um, you know, just there are people who have been missing us so much. We're still a long way from the capacity oh, we yeah. want to be. Offering. Come see our shows, please. Yes, but, you but, must. Um, <laughs> you know, we are moving in the right direction. Mm. And the other thing we've been able to to do is actually we've been opening up our our facilities to other groups, um, notably some local charities, mm -hmm. but also. Um, we're working with Bishop Justice School yes, on that's right. opportunities to work with us. Uh, we had a number of their pupils came to um, the chair, the preview, if you like, of our of living together, mm -hmm. and there were some forty or forty five of them, I believe, and they had the opportunity afterwards to discuss with our the cast and the crew mm -hmm. about the production they'd seen. And that was amazingly successful. I mean, we That's we didn't realise how intelligent their questions would be, and <laughs> so on, and what they would get out of it. And they have they they've been in touch with us since, you know, appreciating that. So uh, the whole, I think over the over the period that we've been talking about it being closed and so on, 
there's been a big focus on what we can do to be more outward looking as mm. a theatre because historically, to be honest, we've been rather introspective. I mean, us and every single group out there, though, this is something that is definitely a problem with amateur groups. Mm. They, yeah. You look after number one. That's fine. That makes sense. But in order to thrive and grow, you have to look outwards. You have to look to the community. Yeah, you do. And the community is yeah, what gets... Absolutely. So we, we've been working with these charities. With, they use our facilities, but we're also trying to bring our skills to help them. And some of, our, some of the young people from uh, Just Be, one of the local charities, which helps young people get into employment. Mm -hmm. But they had a, a session with our... Um, our team and two of them two of the young people joined our youth group oh, as a fabulous. result and are you know, really benefiting mm. from that because that's again it's young people getting those skills which frankly aren't taught at school no. they're not part of the curriculum to um, to gain self-confidence to go out and so on Teachers have a really tough job trying to get it across. They do, but absolutely. The actual focus of education, to my mind, is far too much on cramming information in and meeting targets. Meeting targets, and not enough results. about developing the individual. And yeah. that's where drama really comes in. Mm. And I'm very, I believe that very strongly. I can remember when my daughter wanted to go to university and study drama. <laughs> And I, like most stuffy middle-aged fathers, said, you know, you Drama. want to do a proper course. <laughs> um, but I then looked at the prospectus for the various courses she was interested in. And as I was then an employer, I suddenly realised that actually what I wanted to do was employ graduates from drama courses, yes. not from specialist you know, academic courses, because they'd got the skills which we need mm. in any any business, which is team working, cooperation, and and valuing other people in the team is yes, so important. Yeah. And that's something you do get from working in theatre. Absolutely, you know, and I, I completely agree with a lot what you've said. Round, you know, it has to start from very early on in schools and. It, there are schools out there that are doing a great job, but again, they tend to be, I suppose, private schools or schools that have got a little bit more funding, mm -hmm. but it's not really a main focus. And those are essential life skills that are needed. I know when I was a teacher, there was all that pressure and you might do a bit of role play when you do a bit of literacy or you've got the Christmas production or the end of year five or year six productions. But again, it's all crammed in and they don't really get that opportunity mm. to explore who they are. No, and, and it sort of ties into other things as well mm. because you always have that thing when you were reading the GCSE drama piece, play in <laughs> English literature and no one wanted to read it. Yes. No one ever <laughs> wants to be the one to stand up and go, I will read Othello. <laughs> and it's such a shame because when are you ever going to get a chance to read Othello properly ever again? You're you not. No. And if you go in there thinking, oh, well, it's just a stuffy play, 
you won't get the language no. and the beauty of it all. And it's so minor because obviously English is an important subject compared to drama. Absolutely. But they have such tie over and cross in and, and we're just really missing a trick, I think, with those. Mm. Shouldn't just be the dramatic ones that stand up and go, I will be Ophelia. I mean, they're already doing it. It's yeah. the ones that aren't, aren't doing that it. we need to be attracting and hitting. Yeah. The hidden ones. Yeah. And they're the ones that will will definitely shine. Yeah. Given that opportunity. And again, you know, you, you're both speaking about the skills. It's not just, okay, the skills of acting, but the, the, it's the confidence. Yes. The language. Yeah. Um, the social skills that you learn from that. And now, I, you know, every day I look at children and I look at their social skills and there is, it seems to be going down unless they're really, really exposed to it. Yeah, I think... We've, I mean, everyone's moved online, you know, yeah. we, we, we can't really blame them for no. their moving their social interactions online. No. But they were already quite limited because there was always been screens mm. for the past five, ten years. Wasn't the same when I was mm. in school. You actually had to talk to people. It's horrible. Hated every second of it. But it means that now you can throw me into a meeting and I can talk you to can anyone. Talk. Oh, no, I can. I don't have an off switch. It's frankly yeah, a problem. You, you've cracked that, Alice. Thank you yes. very much. But you have children that just can't. Mm. And it's a real shame because they have insights and views mm. and they just don't feel confident to share them. And that then... C creates very unconfident adults yeah. in turn. And I, I think sometimes as well it's about how much exposure do they get. So I know going into London and going to the theatre there can be very, very expensive for families that can't afford it. But we've got theatres like the Bromley Little Theatre. We're only £14 a ticket, guys. There you go. Um, £10 for members. <laughs> He's selling it. Oh, <laughs> I'm publicity. It's what i got to do. Absolutely. Um, but the quality of the stuff we do is professional levels. Yes. You know, that was the one mm. thing I think that was really nice about Bishop Justice is they came out and they, I think they had, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't speak to them, but I'm assuming they probably went in going, well, it's just going to be an amateur piece. Yes. And all of the many, many, many burdens that come with an amateur sure. piece. Mm. The beliefs just, just around it. Yeah, it's we just true. don't do it like that. We mm. run it like a professional group. Yeah. And the expectation is you will be in there, you will learn your lines, mm. you will play the game. And in turn, there is isn't there is never a time when an audience member leaves saying, oh, that wasn't very good because of the quality. They might not have liked it because it wasn't their show, it wasn't their vibe, but That's they've never different. walked out and gone, well, that was terribly acted. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. We don't let it. We have a quality. That's why we have lasted so long. But also, you've had, uh, from what I recall, some people who've moved on quite high up in we we the have industry. alumni. Yes, mm. um, we've had some, you know, some great names in in our audiences and and in our shows. And I can never remember them because I'm, I'm useless. not focused on these things either. But, but um... all we know is Jude Law did once sit in the audience of oh, BLT. And I believe Aidan Turner did once as well. And these are the stories that go round. We remember these ones. He's uh, from Bromley, isn't he, Jude Law? I think he's around the area. Around, yeah, sure. around the London yeah. Borough. Yes, Jude, Jude Law has mm. been on our stage when he was very young. Um, Amazing. But, um, I mean, our president is Michael York, who uh, now lives in the States, but uh, still takes an active interest in what we're, we're doing. Um, and we have a number of other people who actually predating, if you like, the current 
structure of, of BLT, but have appeared on the on the stage there. And again, I can never remember who mm-hmm. they all are. Um, but we, in more recent years, we've um, we've had uh, Sir Derek Jacobi has given oh, an interview wow. to and one Reed, of our of course, one of yes. our members of the board. Amazing. Um, yeah. She. He was an old friend of hers from from way back, but um, he's he's actually came along on one Sunday evening mm. and and was interviewed on our stage to an to an audience, and so people take an interest in yeah. in us as a a, a credible mm. part of, yeah. if you like, the the whole drama thing. I mean, these are all hidden hidden gems that yeah. need to be known. Perfect for our Bromley Buzz, by well, the way. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I mean, you've been on our podcast. Oh, we've, been, yeah. we've been there before. You've heard us yeah. talk. Uh, yeah, and we've been in the dressing room, which oh, uh, lovely dressing room. Darren uh, talks about it all the time. What's he, that dressing room? He, it's a great little space. It's, it's brilliant, and it, yeah, it brought back memories. But it's um, obviously you were talking about Michael York. He he sent mm. us an email just a couple of weeks ago, so he does have a really active oh, presence. Okay. And one of the things he said in his email was he described um, the theatre as a cultural oasis. And I just thought that was such a a real it just yeah. gets what we do. You know, there's there's so much going on that's urban and it's city based mm. and it's fast. And you just slightly come off the the road mm. and we're there. And we're somewhere that is just a place to escape for a couple of hours. I think also mm. that raises the whole question about you know, Brit, the local cultural scene, if you like, in Bromley, because I mm. think although we have a particular offering, there are a lot of other small groups doing stuff in the Bromley area throughout the borough. Um, mm. And we've been working with the council and with the local bid um, and with Bromley Arts Trust, all of those organisations who want to you know, raise Bromley's profile, I suppose. Mm. But what we're really interested in is not so much raising its profile for the commercial side, but in actually mm. what it brings to people P- being involved people. in the arts. And we want to make every, more and more people aware, mm. not just of the fact that they can be parts of Bromley Little Theatre, which has its mm. huge benefits, but maybe that's not their bag. Maybe they could, be, could learn painting. Perhaps mm. they could do sculpture, um, pottery, mm. all those things. There are little groups around Bromley about whom people don't know. Yeah. Yes. No, and so we're very keen mm. to work with those other groups and have a, a hub of some sort which mm. draws attention to it. And mm. This is something we're doing, working with the Churchill mm. on this as well. Um, so there are... There's a lot going a on. Lot, yeah. And I know the council are currently um, trying to get funding from the GLA to, to promote this whole mm. idea of the arts in, in Bromley. And We had um, the Bromley High Street Community Festival a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and we were involved in that. Yes. We just had a little stall and it was lovely. And we spoke to Darren again. I know you did. Uh, do you know what? I was in Bromley and I... I didn't know it was on till I got home. Then I looked at my Twitter and I went, oh, I need to go back into should Bromley. Have been there. You should have <laughs> but said that's, that's the whole No, but I didn't know you were there. You weren't no, there at that moment. No, it's fine. So, we'll yes. forgive you. Thank you. But that's what this is all about. It's about the fact you but didn't know. I didn't know, exactly. Yeah. And what we, we want is to have a place which is right there in the mm. public 
Aye. space in the centre of Bromley yeah. that people can't claim they didn't know. And not just exactly. us, but other groups. Mm. We were there and I was like, didn't know we had that. Didn't know that yeah. was there. Had no clue that that existed. And all of this is so important for, you know, not just the um, the groups of people or the, um, you know, the people who are holding these events, but the public, the yeah. community, because... Had I known these things, I love that. For me, it gives me this great sense of inspiration. It's my um, disconnecting time, meeting people, my own mental well-being. And I'm sure that would reflect on many other people because when you go to these kind of events, it's inspiring. Yeah, and the thing and was... we know what's going on. It was so fun. Like, we all arrived there and we were like, <laughs> oh, God, what if this is not... What if this is awkward? What if this is not going to go yeah. well? It was great. Mm. We had people that... You know, we were like, have you heard of us? And they were like, no, but we're going to come next time. And it was whole audiences Fantastic. that we've never been able to reach out to. Which you were. And that definitely was reflected in the Living Together audience because mm. I was there and I was like, I don't know a good third of these people. So we're clearly reaching people that mm. we never have before. And that's the only way we can expand and grow. Yeah. I think it was interesting. We were talking earlier, I think it might have been before we went, on air, but um, <laughs> about how much I hate networking. Yes. <laughs> um, but that event, it was partly public facing, partly mm -hmm. talking to the other groups. Facing there. your demons. Some of whom I already <laughs> knew about. I mean, you, we were next door to the U3A stall, so I was talking to people I knew, but they were learning more about us. Yep. I was meeting people who I've, I've seen at big U3A meetings but didn't know well, but there was the uh, the Orpington video and filmmakers yep. um, who okay. I'd exchanged an email with recently on this basic topic but they were there they got demonstrations of the stuff they produce and we're now in much closer liaison and Fantastic. the arts society was something I hadn't come across at all before um, mm. but they were they were very active and quite clearly engaged in outreach of their own which again comes to this hub and so people can learn about all the opportunities Absolutely. available to them I, i'm increasingly becoming more interested in the whole of bromley being a cultural place we're getting there than, than yes. just being about um bromley little theater whilst i I'm not planning to ditch the little theatre for Don't a while dare. yet. Don't but you I, dare. But no, I, no, but no. I think we're, we're, we're part of an overall cultural scene mm. and that's the Bromley I want to be living in. Yeah, The Bromley that uh, everybody should know about. Um, as, you know, we talk about, there's so much here. Uh, greatness, history, a great place to live, the greenery, the works. I mean, we talk about this on, um, on the Bromley Buzz, uh, Darren Wheel and myself, uh, quite a lot and completely agree with everything you're saying. It, we need to expose this more and let businesses know. But it's, it's good because there is also interest from the council to support yes. and, and grow, and, and that's what we really need. You know, it's great us sitting in here going, look at us, look at us, look at us. But unless we get that support from the local yeah. council, it's like yeah. screaming into the wind. Yeah. Now we've got them on board, we can really start to grow. And it has to be the community that yeah. um, 
voices this as well yeah. and comes on board. And it, it, it's funny that you say that because uh, yesterday at the Every Breath, they're looking to increase awareness on that and grow and get funding for Every Breath um, support, you know, lung support um, group. And it's, you know, they're saying it's when the patients and the people there step up when, you know, when they're ready to go to the government, go to the hospitals and say, why don't we have this? We need this, this and this. Because if they're the ones that are going through it, they're the ones that have the stories. So that's where the impact is. It's true. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to Shiver by George Benson.
Welcome to Mindset Matters, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Sinat Noorani. This show is dedicated to offering insight, support and tips covering a range of topics related to addressing your mental health and well-being. Each week, guest experts and brave inspirational people share their personal journey and experiences about their recovery, bringing awareness and change to the importance of breaking through this long-standing negative stigma. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Uh, Before we jump in, because I know Keith wanted to talk about something just a minute ago. So uh, before that, I'm just going to read one of my affirmations from Begin Each Day um, with Affirmations Empowering Questions for my book that's available on Amazon. Life may be full of different endings, but they are also the start of amazing new beginnings. Don't be afraid to reach out and extend your branches. Well, there we go. So, uh, yes, we've had loads of tweets coming in. I'm sorry, I'm just reaching over if my voice is fading out because obviously the buttons are a bit far away for me. Um, we've got, uh, let me have a look down, scrolling, scrolling. Right, uh, Jade Window Cleaning is currently tuned in into this great weekly show, full of great advice, coping strategies to help us all with mental health and well-being. Also good to hear more about Bromley Little Theatre. Well done with my name, Z. Yes, Morel, Morel, Morel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll get it there you one day. There. I, I did get there. there. I got there once. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's better than nothing. Well, yeah, no, that's true. I had to really think about that one. <laughs> I've been doing it for so long. Um, you know, and we've got Intune PR uh, that I've tweeted in as well. And I've just lost their tweets. Um, oh, I'm sure I'll find it. Right, Keith. <laughs> Let's go on to Keith. You were going to talk about the charity as well that you're working with. The important thing I, th- I th- feel I should say about Bromley Little Theatre is that, it, again, it's part of its outreach, and this has been going on for years, is that we do the first performance, if you like, of each run of our in our main house mm. um, is dedicated to a local charity. So we offer the entire audience, auditorium capacity to a local charity. And they are able to sell those tickets for whatever price they think they can get for them, actually. Amazing. But, um, uh, uh, and they can also they hold raffles and so on. So many of many local charities almost compete with each other to mm. to be on our list because it's it's obviously a very good fundraiser. Charities can raise upwards of a thousand pounds. Some of the ones who are better at selling tickets and and raffle tickets yes. can make fifteen hundred pounds in a night. Um, it's not entirely philanthropic on our part because some of these people who come to their shows buy drinks at the bar, which is always and that money comes to us. Yes. But, um, well, apparently, according to Darren, uh, that's one of the cheapest bars. Yeah, absolutely is. And best bar for a bottle of beer, and it's the best bar in Bromley. You, there you go. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> But we only sell to people mm. who are attending shows. We exactly. Don't, we're not open as a, as a bar. bar and it's oh, yeah, right. just, just don't turn up at the door the and be like, hi, I'm here for the bar. For the £3 no. beer, no, you need a no, ticket. No, no, no. You've got to watch the performance and, yes. If that's not such a pain, but people do have it's to. Yeah. We do great performances. <laughs> great great performance. fun. Do yeah. you know what? I, and on that note that, you know, with the proceeds and for charity, um, also the Bromley Little Theatre donated uh, a few tickets, a couple of tickets to the Macmillan um, Cake and Coffee Morning that Chandra Sharma held. 
at yes, uh, yeah. um, his office on Macmillan Day. So thank you for that. No, oh, you're very welcome. It's uh, um, just nice to be able to do it and to, and obviously hope that those people will come and will enjoy Absolutely. it and, and spread the word about the quality of what we do. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's... And if there are other organisations which need that kind of support, uh, please get in touch and we can. I'm yeah. sure we can do something. I'm just trying to remember who it was. We've subsequently do donated a, a, a pair of tickets and indeed a membership to. Um, oh, oh, it's Casper, I think. They're, they're, oh, they've got a, a the ball autism. coming up. Oh, OK. Society. A binet ball, dinner dance, yes. whatever it is. And they were looking for prizes, so we've we've donated to them as well. Fantastic. That's a children's autism society yes. that's yeah. local to us. And they're Thank one you. of one of our partner charities. That mm. They they use the the theatre the rehearsal space a couple of times a week mm. for their activities. And I believe they're doing a talent show uh, in December that will be held on the main stage. Yes, Casper's. Casper's got, got talent. Got talent. <laughs> Lovely. And when's that out? Uh, I'm not actually sure, but I know it's okay. the beginning of December. Beginning I think of it's December. the fourth. It's a wonderful life. I, th I think it's yeah. the fourth yes, of the December. Yeah. yeah. So it's just just before it's a wonderful life goes live, um, mm. and so they'll be performing on the set of It's a Wonderful Life in our auditorium. Oh, but it's, absolutely but it's their fantastic! Own, um, their own little show. Mm. I say little show. It might be a big show. It'll be a big I show. Encourage everyone to come and support. Mm. Mm. And on that note, if people want to find out more about all of this information, getting in touch with you for the charities, and there's Alice quickly going through her phone to I'm find just the details. Double checking. <laughs> okay, so we do have a website, and that's bromleylittletheatre.org, but you can just Google Bromley Little Theatre, and obviously we'll, we'll pop up. You have our Twitter handle already, and we've retweeted you a couple of times, Zenat, so yes, not you. difficult to find us there. Uh, we're yep. also on Instagram at Bromley Theatre. Uh, we have some great shows coming up, you know, in in this autumn season. We've got mm. Alice Always, uh, which is starting very soon, actually. That I, I saw their rehearsals a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, this looks really exciting because this is actually an amateur premiere, mm. never been performed on any non-professional stage. We are the first theatre in, I believe, the world to wow. have these rights. Okay, um, and it was previously done, I think, about two years ago, just pre the pandemic at the Bridge Theatre in London with Joanne Froggett and Robert Glenister in the roles. And now it's come to BLT and we're incredibly lucky. This isn't our first amateur. Not bacon, lettuce and tomatoes. Let me rephrase that if you've suddenly jumped Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Not our first amateur uh, performance, uh, performance either. We, we did Young Marks, which was also a bridge transfer a couple of years ago. Um, and we've done many, many shows like that. And it, and it really is just a mark of, of our quality mm. that we are trusted with those rights uh, and to do a good job, really. And so that will be opening on the 5th of November and okay. that will close on the 13th. We never do the first Sunday. So if you turn up on the first Sunday and you're like, mm, it looks a bit quiet, it's because we're not there. We're giving everyone a <laughs> night off. And well-deserved, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a great cast. You know, we've got a couple of people there that are, this is their BLT debut, quite mm -hmm. a few old hats that you're like, oh, I've seen you before. Um, so it's a really nice combination of, of the two. And then after that, we are doing, as everyone seems to know, <laughs> and it's very exciting, so we're thrilled, we are doing It's, it's a Wonderful, Wonderful Life. Life. Yes. For the Christmas show, which is just going oh, to be incredible. Yeah. Everyone knows the film, everyone loves it. But the little twist that we're doing it on is it's a radio play. 
So we're going to oh. throw you back to the 1930s. We're going to have a few jingles, a few sing songs, and it's just going to be absolutely I like fantastic. a good twist. No, it's going to yeah. be great. No, um, I'm definitely going to be there. Yeah. So, And you do want to move quickly because the tickets are starting to book really fast. And that is going to be taking place on the 10th till the 18th of December. So it's a perfect like pre-Christmas treat for the whole family. And, you know, reasonably priced tickets. Why would you go up to London and spend hundreds of pounds when you can get just a real good friendly show just down community, the road around your community yeah. absolutely and then after that we have our January shows in 2022 yeah. and we're kicking off with Flare Path which is a Terence Rattigan mm. and then after that we are moving back into what was originally our 2020 mm. season and we've okay. just sort of shifted everything that was and all those details are on your website yes. Yeah, okay. so definitely check out the website. Uh, you'll be able to get your tickets for pretty much all of our shows coming up. You'll see the cast lists and you'll be also be able to have a look in our archive. We've got some great shows in the past, especially mm. if you're like, hmm, I think I know that person. It's really yes. fun to sort of track through their previous history and, Brilliant. and things like that. Absolutely fantastic. Keith? Yeah, the yeah. other thing, uh, uh, talked about the various ways of getting in touch with us, but... Um, we have a, a frequent, probably bi-monthly generally, newsletter, email newsletter, and we would invite anybody to just sign up for that, go to our website, mm -hmm. and one of, the, one of the opening page links is to our newsletter, and so um, sign up for that, and then you'll get all the information regularly, be one amongst the first to know what's coming up. Yeah, you sometimes know before me, I get the BLT in and I'm like, oh gosh, we've got auditions this week? Okay. <laughs> you know. And speaking of auditions, yes. I remember the last time we spoke, um, when we came down for the Bromley Buzz, you were mentioning that... Uh, well, it was open to young people. It too. is. So yes. Tell us a little bit more about this, because I think it's great for um, young people to have that opportunity. So we run a youth group um, mm. and I'm not sure what is the youngest you can join that. Keith, do you know? So, sorry. The youth group. Do you know what the youngest age is that you can join the youth group? I think it's basically it's secondary school yeah. age. So okay, 11, so from 11, 11 plus. through to yeah, 18. Through to 18. Yeah. Um, and that runs uh, weekly with um, our leaders. That's Pauline Armour, who's our artistic director of the theatre. Mm -hmm. um, that's Jess Jenner, who is the... Oh, Jess Jenner does everything at the theatre. You really... She's one of those many hatted women as well uh, and we have Pauline Peed who is a figure of legend around the place <laughs> no she truly is everyone's like I love her like everyone simply knows Pauline um, the two Paulines Pauline 1 and Pauline 2 as they fondly call themselves uh, and that's basically all about developing skills um, teaching young people sort of the confidence and public speaking and the teamwork and stuff like that that we were talking Fantastic. about earlier. Uh, they do a couple of yearly shows, which are sort of showcases um, for their groups. And then quite a few of them tend to either go to drama school or go to university. Um, but then quite a few also graduate up into our, our grown-up main house shows. Uh, and so that's for anyone 18 plus who can audition plus. for that. That's great, because I was going to ask, is it just specifically for um, young people that are doing drama nope. in within the secondary school, or it can be opened up nope. absolutely to anybody? There's no, no pre-qualification. But what we do expect um, is a real commitment to, yes, to take it seriously. Because there are, there are many, many uh, opportunities for children to go mm. to so-called drama classes, mm. which are actually farm them out on a Saturday so they've got something to do places. We're not that. We're not that. We're very focused on the quality of, 
of the training and of what yeah, people, expecting people to want to get better at what yeah. they're doing. Well, you're so, professionals and you want the best for them, so yeah. it's, it is commitment. So and it's not, all about the sort of the, the conduct and the work because then work you can take fix. that off back into school, mm. back into the workplace. Uh, mm. So we, we not train them young, but we, mm. we do try and, and get them when they're in that sort of age where they can be moulded and, mm. and I helped. I would, would correct something, Alice, if <laughs> they... There is no stop, no reason for someone who is in the youth group not auditioning for a main okay. show, um, uh, if they, you know, if there's a part of that age group, and there is a lot of that goes on. Oh, so yeah. It isn't sort of a transition from youth to main house. Mm-hmm. It's purely that the opportunities within the yeah. youth group are to learn these things. These skills and knowledge. The opportunities for auditioning are open to any be a member of the theatre mm-hmm. to audition. For a show at Bromley Little Theatre. Okay. We actually had a couple of the Bishop Justice uh, lot who came to see Living Together on the school night mm-hmm. pop down for the auditions for Hobson's Choice Fantastic. the following week. So, mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah. not, uh, I'm kind of beyond 18. Uh, I mean, I do crack glass when I sing. I think that Could would I be audition? Amazing. You absolutely can. And there's mm-hmm. no such thing as being beyond 18. Everyone <laughs> is like amazing. And it's all about that mentality, young at heart. Also, go. I keep getting cast as teenagers still, so you're fine. <laughs> it's it's an interesting balance. I mean, we've talked about the quality of mm. what we do, but we also want to be really open. Yeah. We want everybody to mm-hmm. have these opportunities. And I mean, we talk about, and our strap line is outstanding theatre for mm-hmm. everyone. And that means being able to come and watch outstanding theatre, but it means being able to take part, part. in any way in outstanding theatre but we want that to be for everyone. And so you have to give opportunities to people who may not yet be brilliant actors. Yes, so, but, agree. But equally, you've got to maintain the overall standard. So yeah. it's, you won't get a starring part if it's your first ever chance to try at it. But there may That's be a role which best. enables you to prove mm. your potential and to work on from Well, there. it's things that you're working towards, yeah. isn't That's it? That's also yeah. a lot of pressure if you've it never is. done it before and people are like, you're the lead, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> we ease people in. And, yeah. of course, if you're fantastically talented and Why obviously not? that role is perfect for you, mm. then we won't take that away from you just because you're new. But generally we, we, we ease people in. We, yeah. we try and keep the pressure as low as possible whilst still being like... Yeah, it's about building their it. confidence yeah. slowly, mm. step by step, um, that they can get to those um, goals. Well, yes, I would, I, mean, I would never have done the acting I did at times in my t- career. It's not really <laughs> a career. But my, in my hobby, when I first started, I, I got a, a small part um, mm. in a... In a Perhaps not top quality play, um, <laughs> but moved Doesn't on like and I've done mm. stuff which I think I did justice to. Yeah. And uh, do you know what, Keith? It's really interesting because earlier on we were talking about imposter syndrome, about networking. Yes. But you did, you've done acting in your past. Yeah. Isn't it funny how different situations and environments you are different? Like, you probably didn't have imposter syndrome when you were on stage acting. Oh, no. But you would when you're networking because it's out of your comfort zones because it's not you there's something in that i mean i think that's the point about acting Mm. i i have over the years had met certain situations where i've had to speak in public at either professional groups or or 
public inquiries mm. and so on. And that's terrifying. But actually to go on stage and, you know, talk in somebody else's voice, using somebody else's words, yeah, it's a doddle. Yeah, you yeah. sit there and they're like, you need to have a nervous breakdown, it's going to be really tough. I'm like, no, it's not, because it's not really me. It's not but, me. but for some people it is. I mean, is, we're yeah. not all the same. No. no. My, my biggest frightening moments at the theatre have been sitting in the sound box. Oh, yes. Being terrified I was going to miss the next cue. Mm. Yeah, that's scary times. Mm. Because actually... When you're on stage, the other actors will help you out, this mutual yes. support thing, which is so yeah. valuable. When you're stuck in that box backstage, you can't see what's on stage except on this, in my day, tiny little mm. monochrome screen. It's still like that. And <laughs> somebody's it's getting updated. says, you know, do such and such now, and you know it's not actually now, it's meant to be in two seconds' time. Mm. That can be crucial. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so... That's nerve-wracking. Mm. Mm. Whereas on stage, people will help you out. Yeah. Yeah. You muff a line, somebody will busk you through it. But you say that. It, we didn't have that with our most recent show, 84 Charing Cross Road, because okay. they were basically chunks of monologues. Mm. And I think for the two actors that were at the centre of that, it was the hardest show they've ever done mm. because they were like, we cannot You've got, bail you've got the you cues. out. Yeah. Yeah. And something happened on the final night and you could just see us in the wings, like, gesturing wildly, like, trying to be like, Christmas, turkey! <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah. we could do nothing. Mm. And it's a, it, that was a really, really hard play. Yeah, and it's about composing yourself yeah. in that moment because you're faced with that. You know what? Uh, we've only got a few more minutes left. Oh. And this, you know, I know it's, we're at 11.53. Oh, my God. So that's why I keep looking up at the clock. But there's so much more that I want to talk about. And just really quickly, I wanted to mention... Because uh, I spoke to you, Alice, just before we went on air, that um, we were talking about depression mm. and how people sometimes have this mis misconception about um, that actors and actresses don't ha suffer from depression. But actually, when they're on stage, mm. they're, they're in their bubble. Then it's not real. But when they come off, it suddenly hits them that they do have other issues and concerns. Yeah. And it's just because you fully give yourself over to that role. Mm. There's grief when you leave it because you're stepping away from something that becomes part of you. But also it's the friendships and the relationships you have on stage. It's very common for there to be showmances. And that's because you're in a very tight, contained space. You just really bond with people. Yeah. And then when that leaves and ultimately you're like, oh, maybe maybe this isn't worked quite so well but there's that as well and it's it's the mm -hmm. sense of those bonds have to be formed so quickly they can also fall apart just yeah. as quickly and there's a real sense of loss that comes with comes that with as well it. and um, they talk about uh, you know because you become quite vulnerable as well mm. and actually uh, within um one of the stats that i had here that they said uh, from a um, it's, it's way back in 2015 because there isn't a lot of There's stats no out. research. They, they need to be doing more mm. research around this. But they were saying that because of that, they are more likely to suffer from depression. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's one of, one of the details that I was able... I spent hours trying to kind of no, find something. I mean, it's, there's just a real lack of respect, I think, for the arts. Mm. And it shows in the fact that we don't have research. We don't have this. The money is coming in now, and there's the interest now, but people have been acting for millennia, yes, you know? Yes. But there needs to be stats and data behind yeah. this to support you. So then 
it progresses quicker. Yeah. Um, in terms of funding that you may need for the arts industry. Because as it stands, the only support you really get is whatever is there for mm. you specifically, and that might be your friends. But if you are not in a place like Bromley Little Theatre, which is supportive and, and a community yeah. and, and all that, you can just end up really on your own and marooned and stuck in a place that mm. you can't help yourself from. Absolutely. Right, well, it's coming to that time. Um, we're going to have to close the show. Have you got any quick last words? Come see the shows. They're very good. <laughs> and if you don't, then I, I've done my job wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Alice Foster. It's been a pleasure having you on the Thank show. You. Keith, any last words? I don't think so. I think we've um, covered a lot of ground. <laughs> we um, have indeed. And uh, I'd just like to, you know, I wasn't at all sure that there was that this was a lot of point to coming and talking to you on this but I think it's been worthwhile and I it thank has. you for yeah, it. Yeah, it's been great fun. Thank you so much, Lena. Thank you. Thank you, Keith Jeremiah. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Two wonderful people from the Bromley Little Theatre. Uh, do check out the podcast um, as well of the Bromley Buzz. I'm just going to end off with some um, details. So... Join me next week at 10.30 to 12 with my next guest, Valentin Aulisa, who is an energy healer and holistic teacher. Thank you for tweeting in all your tweets. Uh, you can listen again and download this show and any previous shows at anchor.fm forward slash zenat hyphen Nirani MSM. Thank you again to my wonderful guests. And if you would like to support the show by sponsoring The Mindset Matters, then please email me at mindsethorizons at gmail.com. And if you would like to be a guest on the show, I've got stories to share around mental health and well-being, then please email me on that same email. Don't forget to continue to check out the Bromley Buzz podcast, which I do with Darren Wheel of Intune PR and Sarah Marsh Collins of Digital Media and Marketing. And you can catch up on all the shows, including the Bromley Little Theatre, on bromleybuzz.podbean.com. Finally, thank you to Intune PR with a passion enormously for sponsoring The Mindset Matters. Leaving you now with my mission. I empower your mind to live the life you desire, supporting you to find clarity and vision through the darkest of times so that you can shine your light. Continue to keep safe. Have an awesome weekend. And I'll see you back here next week. Matters show exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Zenat Numrani on Channel 2 Radio. I can almost see it that dream I'm dreaming but there's a voice inside my head saying you'll never Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaken, but I, I gotta keep trying.